0: Welcome to Lead X at Nova School of Business and Economics, the podcast where every week we go over the major trends that are impacting change and transformation in our world. Welcome to another episode of Leeds X, where we discuss the future and current trends of the world. Today, I'm very excited that we have Christian Anting and Ferdinand as our student co-hosts. Uh, Ferdinand, do you want to introduce us a little bit about Christian and about our topic?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you, David. So, first of all, who is Christian? I think Christian is one, a legend in the broadcasting industry, at least in Europe. Um, Christian worked for a lot of television giants or broadcasting giants such as the Kirch Group um, back in the days, such as SBS Broadcasting in Sweden, he worked for Polish giants such as TVN. And currently, he is the CEO of All Media Baltics in the Baltic area, right? And I think Christian is a great leader. Um, he's also not a, an important part of this industry, but he also has seen a change over the last few years. And he's currently in a position where he is able to change even more towards the future, right? Um, but to, uh, the topic we're going to focus today um, is the topic of bureaucracy, meaning we want to discuss the question, wherever companies are bureaucratic because they are large, or if they are large because, of the bureaucrat- um, because they're bureaucratic. So what is the correlation between both of them? And I think Christian suits perfectly for this podcast as he has lived a lot um, and seen a lot in this industry. And yeah, I hopefully hope that Christian will be able to help us out with this discussion today. So maybe to start (laughs) with the super general question, maybe for Christian, um, what is bureaucracy for you and how much of bureaucracy is left today in the whole media industry or in the whole broadcasting industry?
2: Well, first of all, thank you very much, Ferdinand and David. It's a pleasure to be here um, and uh, to try to answer um, those, uh, those questions. Um, what is bureaucracy? I think um, in a very simple or basic way, bureaucracy is, uh, describes a way of governance for a company. So structure and um, without going into the academic part of it. So it describes how in what organizational form you run your processes and decision making within an organization. So that is how I look at bureaucracy, knowing that bureaucracy has a very negative connotation when you hear it the first time is something that uh, historically is always um, associated a little bit with the kafka perception of how a company operates and uh, with all the inefficiencies that come out of that. But I choose to, in the beginning, at least of our conversation, to look at it from a more neutral standpoint as a a model of governance, as a description of an organizational model. Because a lot of people, I think um, I like.
0: I think there are like a couple of uh, deadly um, uh, expressions. One is routine and the other is bureaucracy. And people are like, if you're into any of these things, it's like uh, you're the most boring human being. You're non-creative. And I had this scene as well in the past. For instance, with routine, Um, was like, no, if you're creative, you do whatever you feel. And then it's like, do I really have to think about brushing my teeth and the way I wake up and making coffee in the morning? And what I've realized with routine, for instance, is that it just becomes automatic. You do things automatically, always in the same way, always in a very efficient way. And that actually frees time to do like the creative things and much more interesting activities. So I think with bureaucracy, it's probably a little bit like that as well now. Uh, but there has been like all this cult of startups and so on. How, how do you think bureaucracy evolves? And I like the way you see it, which is governance. Uh, how do you see it evolving through different stages of, um, of uh, growth in a, in a company?
2: I think it is. I think it is very much as you as you as you said. Uh, they connected to the state and development of a, of a company. If I take the example of the of the broadcast industry, in the when it was a startup situation. So I'm talking about now 25 years ago, commercial television in Europe at least was just in the beginning. So there was a normally a, a group of creative people trying to put together a television program without much uh, much input than trial and error approach more than anything else. So trying to figure out things and to get done. So that was a beginning with very little bureaucracy if you want. And um, then as the business evolved and as we got more, as it got bigger, as it got more, more successful as well. So growing in size, so bureaucracy in order to handle the processes was, was needed. So I think in the, the way I, the, I look at bureaucracy is something that comes with the, 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 the growth of a company, the development of a company. So in the beginning you have less and the, over time you need, you need more of it. And the question always is uh, in, along that journey, how much do you need? So how much bureaucracy is just needed to, to run efficiently um, and how much is then kind of uh, having the, the, the opposite effect?
1: All right. Certainly, I think they're like industries and industry, each industry needs more or less bureaucracy. How would you define, for example, the broadcasting industry? I mean, you work with TV, you work, you work, you work with news, you have to be flexible, you have to be on point, you have to be fast. I mean, but for sure, there's also bureaucracy. So how do you handle that internally? Where or which part of the company are more bureaucratic than others, for example?
2: Yeah, I think it is a, it's a very important point that the bureaucracy kind of has to vary from which area and which, yeah, which area in the company you're looking at. So, if you have, and ours is a very creative business. So, bu- bu- bureaucracy is also in a certain way mean to contain or to structure creativity in a certain way. So, this is. Um, we have, uh, if, you, if you try to make television or you may make a, a television project, you have a lot of, uh, of creative processes that at some stage need to be structured and need to be, and I, I see that as a, as a main function of the bureaucracy. Then comes the other part that is uh, bureaucratically handled is um, everything that involves the, the money flows of the company. So mm-hmm. you have client relations where you have money goes in or you, you, money comes in or you, you spend money. So those necessarily as... The, the, the size of the business grows and more more bu- bureaucratic processes are, are needed and are implemented. So again, right. they, on, on television, okay. it started as a very much uh, learning by doing exercise only to become then something that the, the bureaucracy was also needed to handle the growing success of the business, so. All right. And if you analyze, for example, the last 20 to
1: 25 years, meaning the time since you have been acting or have been active in this industry, What have been like the biggest changes that you have seen from the organizational side from the structure side of companies um, in the broadcasting industry are there some crucial changes or have it maintained the same over the years
2: yeah i think i think you have as what you what you go through in the beginning television um, commercial broadcasting was just very very new so if you look at the, the, the 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 television industry in europe 25 years ago every country had public broadcasting systems and all of a sudden, there was and commercial broadcasters allowed. So those were companies that were almost like a startup today, and, and they had to start operating. Were awarded broadcasting licenses and were trying to make everything different than the, the people had done before. So traditional public broadcasting television was news and very formal way of operating. All of a sudden, you had game shows, you got the X Factor type of programs and movies, and everything everything was new, and that was just the, the experimental phase then as a success came and because the, the success expressed or the, the the financial success by advertisers coming coming into the medium then uh, the bureaucracy had to come at some stage not to go um not to go completely off the off the rails with the development of the business yeah. and then and that is uh, that is an always a, a tricky phase you become so big so in the beginning it is more if you wanted this about growth and bringing revenues in so your cost line is by, by definition less important. So you can be a little bit more inefficient and that's why you have less bureaucracy. Now, if you look 20 or 15 years down the road, there was two, two, three, four operators, uh, the television operators, a uh, competitive situation. So um, you really had to also look after your costs. So all of a sudden it was important. How much am I spending on a program? How much am I uh, spending on a production? because you had to, to really fight for the, for the money. So I think bureaucracy goes We're through. like
0: the, the golden days, no? Like, um, and I, I, I worked in the music industry as well at uh, oh, Sony BMG yeah. at the time, uh, which then became Sony Music. And, uh, and I was already on the, the digital transformation and they are like, how come we can't just hire like helicopters and private jets and all <laughs> these things? Like we used to live like rock stars. I was like, I think the guys that made the rock stars, actually lived more like rock stars than the rock stars. No, absolutely. There was like no cost control, anything. And then suddenly it's like, okay, now the industry is going down. Let's see like the stockholders dealing with like your private helicopters and champagne jacuzzis. Probably doesn't work as well.
2: No, that, that was exactly what you're describing. And for the music industry, which was earlier than television, probably even the, the inflection point. So all of a sudden, then bureaucracy gets more important. So you, you, cannot, uh, you cannot operate on that in, in such a manner anymore. And that is uh, why we have uh, probably reached the level that we have today. So I would uh, qualify the commercial part of, uh, of television, not as very bureaucratic but within the framework what is needed in order to, to, to avoid the excesses that in the beginning of the, of the industry that uh, for sure existed.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think there's also this um, interesting concept. I think it's like a multiple of three, that basically you have to change the way you manage your company every time it's multiply. it's the number of employees by three. So yeah. having a company with uh, one person and then three and then nine and then around 30 and then around 100, so it's really important because once like, uh, if you have everyone that is, um, that you know everyone's name is very different than you have like, I don't know, 300 people that you don't know what they are doing and you have to control and you have to have systems in place. And so I don't think it's, um, that's why I, I actually, there's a, I, I like something about Bill Gates, which is he managed to live on top Mm-hmm. Um, he was on top of his game still at Microsoft. He could have stand. Uh, uh, he kept have. He, he could keep going there for probably another decade or so, and he actually left and went to do uh, something different. And I think it's a little bit like a lot of people. They outgrow um, their their companies outgrow their skills. So, I think like a person that does a startup, it's not the same person that is able to manage um, a really public agree. company.
2: Yeah.
0: So, I um, just see this a, a little bit, Christian. Like, no, uh, I, think I,
2: fully, I, fully, I fully agree with you. So, the, 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 the rock stars that, that you described before, those were also the, the similar type that were doing television in the beginning. And those basically reached then a point where those skills were not in line anymore with what the companies required. So we have gone through a, a similar transformation as television where different, 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 different skill sets are needed on, as a manager. And um, that is uh, also, if you look around, what was the profile of a, of, a, of a television executive in the early days to what is the profile of an executive uh, that you have today? Um, yeah, you go from the Mavericks, now. Like yeah.
0: um, I was reading uh, this book called The Myth Revisited. And uh, I really liked that, um, It's an old book, but I like the concept that you have like three profiles and each one of us has like three areas. And then you can be a little bit more towards one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And it was entrepreneur, um, admin, and uh, technician. Mm -hmm. And um, I think at the beginning, definitely you need much more like the entrepreneur side that launches the company forward and makes it move. And it's just a little bit more of a maverick. But probably as you, the, the structure grows, you are going to need a little bit more uh, the admin as well. Yeah. And the technicians, you always need to, to create the job, but like this balance changes a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, I fully, I fully agree. And today, Fernando, coming back to your question, what is the biggest challenge is now to still keep that balance because there's a certain level of creativity and creative freedom is needed. It's the essence of our business. So, and how to how to manage that? Uh, so, as a, as, a, as a CEO of the company, is, uh, what you spend a lot of time on is really kind of then uh, managing the conflicts that you naturally have between the, the discipline on one side and the creative uh, environment that you still need to guarantee to really uh, come up with, uh, with programming ideas and schedules that are attractive for, for viewers.
1: What are, so, for example, measures that you're currently taking? I mean, are there like some internal programs that you try to... Uh, implement to maybe to yeah ask for more bureaucracy or for asking for the be and um, B- well to have less bureaucracy what's currently the trend what are you currently doing on the um,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I somehow keep on coming back to the to the rockstar analogy because i do think that that is absolutely perfect to the to to describe it so the first level of, of bureaucracy was if you want to control that so to really make uh, to, to to put the creative part into a into a, not into a box, but into a, a framework where they can, still could be creative without having these excesses that we had before. So, um, no, you cannot uh, f- take a private jet to go to whatever market you cannot do, is the first layer, which is uh, still up until today, it is, it is difficult. So you need to, and that is a form of bureaucracy that you need kind of for approval processes and discussions with uh, uh, other stakeholders. So before you could uh, You could uh, go to a restaurant and meet a producer, and they would agree on the table about doing a new project because everybody saw that's a great idea. Today, you need to force also your creative talent to have more iterations with other people and not to kind of uh, come back already with a the, with the signed project after lunch, but to to follow a certain uh, a certain a certain pro, uh, procedure. So that is the the form of bureaucracy that uh, that I would see on the, on the media industry. Yeah, on the media, on a media company, that um, is still something that uh, that goes on. And then everything that other industries and other companies have much earlier, which is when it comes to to cost controls and to approval processes and to discussion how do you spend money of the company, is uh, is a form of bureaucracy that is needed, that has to be uh, or has to be implemented, and that needs to be watched because again, our industry also attracts people that are not. <laughs> That are not, I'm not saying that they would be fighting about it all the time, but they are not, they, they try to avoid it because it goes against the creative nature of people. So it is that, that, that conflict. Um, and that, Christian,
0: uh, I want to take advantage here. I'm sure Ferdinand will kill me for getting a little off topic and so on. But it's like, since I'm also very passionate about the media industry, mm-hmm. where are we now? What's the future for, um, traditional media companies, like when they have to fight like uh, uh, companies like um, Netflix, which everyone is talking about, but I would actually bear that there's also a massive powerhouse, which is Disney that now yeah. came up with Disney plus, and they have like all these uh, different um, uh, properties. And uh, then Amazon is coming into the game. And so we are seeing like a reduction in um, open TV, Uh, Even, uh, um, and on demand is just people want what they want when they want it. So what's, what's, what's happening? Let's go a little bit. (laughs) I think there's a lot to discuss about it, but let's. let's No, you know I can I can go hours about it. So uh, let's go to another
2: conversation. (laughs) I I love I love the topic. Now, if you look at so what is happening now? If you look at if you if you quickly do a mapping of the players in the market, and you mentioned the 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 key ones already, you have uh, probably four four categories. So the one is the traditional media companies, and that is Disney. So they have a legacy business, which they have to necessarily with the technology developments, new offers they have to cannibalize. Disney is doing that. Disney has launched now Disney Plus, knowing that they cannibalize the their channel business, the theatrical distribution, everything that they, that they have built so far. So they just announced, at least in the UK, they're closing down Disney Junior and a couple of their channels. So this is a, self-can- a self-managed, self-cannibalization that you have to do. And that is why we sit as a, as a television company as well. So is the legacy businesses. Then you have the the new the new businesses like Netflix have no legacy at all. They only go land grabbing and trying to get as many customers as they can. Still not as much looking after profitability as uh, but the um, uh, subscriber growth in that case. So they have large uh, production and program budgets um, so that are beyond anything. Then you have the third category, difficult. It's a difficult player, but very important one that for them, the the programming and the video is uh, is a tool to acquire customers or to grow the ARPU per customer like, like, like Amazon. So Amazon Prime, you get the subscription as part of a different subscription service, which is for the fast delivery of your product. So what they do is they increase the revenue per subscriber. So they're pretty much looking at the video product as a marketing expense. So it is not somebody that looks standalone on the profitability of the, of the video yeah. product. But
0: actually, they have the concept that I really like. They have the concept of ecosystem. So basically, they consider it a client acquisition cost. And I find it very interesting that they actually, they greenlight second seasons and third seasons based on how many first clients watched, uh, watched yeah. um, for the first time, I think, uh, that, uh, that uh, series. Yeah, I I think
2: it is for me, Amazon is really funny that you see it the same way, because it's for me, it's one of the players that has been that has been underestimated for a very long time. Because and I always use it with my my colleagues as an example, how somebody that is completely out of the industry, so it's an e commerce company, if they have the, the financial means and the determination to really take a topic like video come up with content that wins an Oscar like, uh, like they did, or that really produces high quality entertainment. So, and they look at it as an acquisition cost. So that's why for, for a competition like us, that they, they also has to look at the PL performance is a difficult player. So, but- And they, also
0: the, the client acquisition cost, it's inter, interesting because while uh, Netflix, and I think for instance, companies like Netflix and, um, and Spotify, they, they have a problem in the long run. Because right now, imagine that, I don't know, I'm Spotify and I charge 10 euros per month, which is uh, a little bit more than what they actually charge. I know people are going to stay with me for like on average for uh, 36 uh, months, uh, whatever that period is and so on. But even uh, at 10 euros, that's like 360 euros. So if you have, I don't know, uh, margin on that uh, of, let's put 10%, um, that's like, okay, you can have a client acquisition cost of up to $36. Well, if, if you're going to stay in Amazon ecosystem for like five years and you're going to spend with them, I don't know, like during the, that period, uh, $20,000 and they have like 10% margin, um, you're, did I say 10 or 20, whatever. Uh, you can get like 200. Um, you can get like 200 dollars of uh, client acquisition cost. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, it's like how can you? It's very hard for these media companies to compete on client acquisition costs. I don't. I don't really understand how they are going to have like. Uh, they are going to be able to compete even with companies like Apple, which are basically doing like uh, bundles with Apple TV now, Apple Fitness, and Apple Arcade, and so on.
2: Yeah, no, I fully agree. So that is a big answer because uh, as, you, as you say, a company like Netflix is yet not yet profitability driven to the same extent. So they are not looking at that. So they are basically it's more valuation driven than, than uh, the real, the real p and performance. So and that uh, to be seen once they really have to stand up against the, the large uh, e-commerce players like, uh, like um, uh, Amazon that can bundle it or Apple bundles is going to be gonna be difficult and just to wrap it, so the fourth category is then um, the convergent players where you have telco companies involved so like take Comcast and HBO or Warner where you basically have the merge of the telecommunications and uh, and video, which is again because this is a, as you as you said, it's a it's a bundled product. So there, it goes together with the data tariffs and with other other um, other services that are being subscribed. It is an ARPU generating tool, so or, or customer customer value in um, a tool. So that is the third category. So the, the most difficult one is for the legacy businesses on a standalone basis. So in, in, in our case, we have just uh, gone through an acquisition and uh, with it, so in, within our group, we have a, a large telecom operator. So we are, if you want, moving from the first category into the fourth. And we're on the way of that and they're, they're quite successful. So it's a large, large uh, telco business or convergent telco media business that we are building over the next, uh, the next coming years. For Disney, for sure, they will, they will manage. And if you look at the, 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 how they, they do the self-cannibalization in a very aggressive way, I mean, they skipped the theatrical release for the Mulan movie, Hamilton was released on, on, on Disney Plus. So they are very determined. And I think they will succeed on a more national level to be to be seen. So, where what what do what do legacy legacy media companies like ours? How do, how do we position ourselves? And there's there's different strategies for that as well.
0: Which, which strategies? For instance, one I could see is like really local content, in having like um, I don't know like local news that actually impact. And it's not just about like politics in the U.S. and just like massive issues, but it's like very localized content, does that, which strategies do you Absolutely. see like, so how can is, you
2: fight? So in our case, and I think that you see that across most of the market, it is the strength that television has, with, which is that you have been for 25 years, a, a companion medium to people. So people know the channels and have spent time with it because of the local entertainment. So it's my local language, my local topics, my local stories, um, news infotainment, but also uh, also scripted, uh, scripted uh, entertainment. So and that is, so. if you want, the, the strategy is to be as complementary as possible. So not try to build. I think there was a lot of media companies that tried to replicate on a national level in Netflix, buying American movies and stuff and putting that together. That is uh, doomed to fail. For, from a consumer perspective, you will have both. The big Hollywood entertainment, for sure. You get that through Netflix, HBO, whatever you may choose. But then your 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 time budget, attention budget, but also your money budget, then is also has room for what is locally relevant. It's my local soap opera, it's my local news, my everything that happens around me. And I think in a a, a world that gets more and more complex globally, there is a little bit of trend back to what, what happens around me. So I'm not saying like the local neighborhood news, but something what is, uh, what happens in Portugal is important. What happens in Latvia is important and uh, Estonia is in our countries in Poland. So people have an interest and they've also follow that and stories uh, all, uh, being entertained by stories that come out of my, my cultural context is something that we, that we do. All right, How do
1: you maybe, measure
2: that? Sorry, go for it. Then. Yeah,
1: maybe we were a little bit too deep and we got a little bit away from our topic, but maybe let's stick to the topic a little bit. What can you, for example, Kristen, what do you think like today's broadcasting giants from the past can learn from new business models and new organizational models, such as Netflix, um, such as Amazon Prime, such as Disney and Go, for example, what can you really learn and what can you adapt from that to your, towards your own um, organization and towards the, the, the topic of bureaucracy within your um, and, organization? And
0: I would add, I would add uh, something to that, uh, Ferdinand, how do you actually go from one to the other? So how do you actually, in your opinion, how can you create the, the cultural change? Yeah. Because for instance, before you were on audiences, which were much more like broader KPIs. And now you have to go like on conversion rate, how much actually you're selling off certain products online through your advertising and so on. Like how do you make that, that culture change?
2: I right. think, it, I think the biggest, the biggest difficulty is in the, in the business model for, for a broadcaster, because it's, it's more a B2B to C model. So we basically what the commercial television the, the puts a, puts a program on air. Then we sell the ad, the, the advertising space, 12 minutes per hour to clients. And then we reach an, an audience that we do not know because it's only indirectly measured through a panel system. So you do, you have no relationship unless you have a pay TV business. Um, but, and that is a, that is the biggest organizational and cultural change, how you go all of a sudden into a model. So we also have launched a an SVOD service, like a local Netflix, if you want. Um, and they're the biggest challenge. So we know how to, to do great programs. We know how to market that, how to develop brands and everything, but it is the understanding of an end customer that is the biggest challenge. Well, you need to educate an organization that so far, so the, there was we we were not putting individual faces to our programs. So we are looking at ratings and at shares, and we know there was a million people. But in the subscription business, you have a million individuals, and each of those need to be addressed and catered and, and worked with in, in a different way. And that is the biggest um, that is the biggest the, the biggest challenge that we have. Mm-hmm. And how did we how did we or how we, how we challenge that you need to change your organization, you need to bring new people in. So it is skills that you do not have within a, a normal broadcast business. So you need to, what you described before, people with an e-commerce background, people with a really kind of with a digital background to bring them in and um, then work on those topics, develop those topics, but also educate your organization. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a biggest, the, the biggest challenge.
0: And what do uh, you think about user-generated
2: content? User-generated content, of like even like TikTok
0: now that is doing like 15-second yeah. videos and so on.
2: I think it is. A, I think it is a, is a great tool, and I think it it speaks for the level of engagement of people with moving pictures and of uh, really kind of how how creative uh, people people get into it and how much, uh, how much attention they, they, also, they also create. It's a form of entertainment that is, uh, that, is, uh, that is widely accepted, that it has a different type of storytelling, that is more snackable, if you want, than, than uh, the commercial television hour or commercial half hour. But it's something that we, of course, see also, especially in the, in the younger demographics, um that the more and more uh, viewers are, are switching over to those so it is not an end of the traditional storytelling so there you can see that also with netflix and disney and all these uh, services there's more high quality productions than ever but there is a, a, another segment which is the, the short forms user generated has a very big and very high traction and uh, ferdinand if you remember so what, when he was working with us in poland that was one of the jobs that he had is how to explain to, to establish television executives. At the time, it was not the TikTok, but it was the Instagram and it was the YouTube world and how to approach that and how to go there. There's quality content. Honestly, when it comes to creative ideas, it's, there's excellent content. The productions are on, a, on a, not all of them, but um, on a very good level, you can see that there's also a learning curve. So it's not only the, the cats on the skateboard as it was uh, 10 years ago. So it is is an absolute, it's a a great entertainment platform, both TikTok, but also the the other social media platforms.
1: All right. Um, Thanks for the insight. And maybe getting back to the Netflix question from before, what can you, for example, learn from those new companies, coming up companies who definitely, they only got bureaucratic because of their size, because they got large. What can you, for example, um, learn for that, for your company? And what would you implement probably in the future to make your business model and to make your organizational structure a little bit more not bureaucratic in this case?
2: So the first thing that I would want to challenge is that the, that Netflix is not bureaucratic. I think that is a notion that I know. No, no, I'm just saying yeah I notion and there was a, the the the, um, the latest uh, publication of the book of um, Reed Hastings and everything. So I know they are in, in a couple of areas. They are not uh, bureaucratic, but I do think when it comes so the other areas in the business, they are very bureaucratic. So I do not think that you can just walk into the front desk with a script and say, I want to, uh, to pitch you a, a movie here. Uh, that is uh, not the case. So they have processes for that and they're very, very successful. Now, what I, what I do think that we can, that we can learn is in, in other areas, they're giving tremendous autonomy to people to operate so they have a, they have a, a very flat structure from I I'm, I'm looking outside in so I, I don't know the the particulars of it but um they have a an attachment of the of of the employees to the product that is amazing so that the, everybody kind of lives the spirit of Netflix in that organization so I think for most of them Working for Netflix is a little bit what, what was working for television 20 years ago. It is, a, it is a very, very attractive place to be. It is great storytelling. It is great stories. It is endless possibilities. So it is a spirit of, of conquering and developing a new world that you can see lives also in the employees. So they manage very well to translate that. And do you think it would be possible to introduce or to implement such organizational
1: models within, for example, All Media Baltics, the company you're working for, on the one side? And what would be like the main challenges to kind of disrupt the whole organiz- organizational structure? Well, I think
2: it is. I think you have to be careful. So not every not every solution is works for everybody. So I think we also need to. In our case, I would. So that, of course, there's a couple of things where you where you can say, "I oh, can. I want to try that." But we are, as a media company, we are a very established, essential medium in our country. So we have news, so you cannot kind of get too funky if you have a news responsibility in, in, in a country. Don't forget that we are in a region of Europe that is uh, under permanent political tension. So uh, information, so the, the, the seriousness and clarity about providing information to the citizens of our three countries is essential. So we cannot, uh, we cannot, uh, or we do not want to deviate from that uh, too much. So we are, by nature, then a more serious, a more grown-up medium, if you want, because we have that social responsibility to our to our nations, and that is uh, something. So I, the path of Netflix is not our path. There is things to be, to be to be learned, um, but uh, we do have a very good culture. We are very proud of our culture as well. So we are. Our brand recognition in each of our markets as TV3 channels is probably as high, if not higher across the whole population than Netflix, Google or any of them, because people have grown up with them. They have lived through political change. So going from from Soviet times to to democracy and all of that. And TV3 was there every day for 20, 30 minutes. So there is also a brand promise behind TV3 and an expectation of unfiltered and honest and open information that uh, we would not want to hamper with. Now, uh,
0: one thing that um, I think it goes on on both areas that we're asking questions about is data. Because data allows you to measure your performance, allows you to improve bureaucracy, governance, and so on. But at the same time, I think it's probably, I would say, one of the biggest changes that we are seeing in in the industry Mm now. Because like on Amazon, Amazon, we were saying that they measure like if they are going to develop a new, if they are going to develop a, a new a, a series or not, or the second season, uh, depending on the client acquisition cost they have, Netflix is very based on data. They have an amazing recommendation algorithm, and actually TikTok, the, the best thing they do is they have so many data points because you're uh, just changing. Uh, the the videos so fast and they have like uh, one of the best um, recommendation algorithms Mm -hmm. in the industry. How are you guys dealing with that? And and how is this changing the the Mm -hmm. culture? And another very important thing is because these companies like for you to have like AI algorithms and so on, you need a lot of data points. And these companies, they have a lot of data points and a lot of expertise. So how can you go and compete in terms of data?
2: No, I think that is, and you're putting your, the, the finger on probably what is the biggest pain point for traditional media, or for, tele, for, for television now. It is the, the lack of data, and uh, to a certain extent, also the organizational inexperience in handling data. Because what is the data that the television was used to? Again, the, the, there was a panel, a representative panel of the population that would tell you that how many viewers the program had the night before. Versus all the all the data that uh, that uh, the uh, com- companies like Google or, or or Netflix can can gather. So that is something that the handling of data. So if and it, it translates a very easy discussion. So you have basically two: why should I do should I do Pop Idol or should I do X Factor? Normally, companies would have a lot of data to compare that in the traditional broadcasting. You have somewhere always a program director that tells you it should be this or should be that. So, um, and we hide it behind the argument that this is the RT creative part of it, but is at the end of the day, the, 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 the lack of, um, of including data to a much larger extent in the decision making process. I think that is a, that is a reality. So the, the business was very much built on intuition of, of people at the end of the day. And we are at the point, and that goes across every media company that I've seen in Europe. So they, they may be a little bit more advanced or less advanced, but in television, there is a big, a big gap still to close when it comes to how can I really use data, so gather data and use data for what is the decision-making in my, in my, uh, in my business. So it is um, probably the biggest transformational hurdle that the, that the broadcasting industry still has. So, and we have to tackle it now. We still have kind of high ratings programs. We still get a lot of viewers, but you see it also that the uh, the, the decline is, uh, is slow, but uh, but continuous. And needs I have not seen, I have not seen any. Maybe the guys of ProSieben in Germany. Um, that uh, That have uh, moved down that path, but a, a data champion in the broadcasting world i don't I have not seen any
1: well, at least in the old school
2: yeah no no broadcasting, so our business so that is uh, that is something pending, and that is uh, a topic for another for another long discussion on how that that should be, but I do think that is where the biggest need is because there it's again it 's also the people it's a generational thing. It is how the business has been run before, how to tackle with that. But then also the, the fact that the, there is not enough data recorded available. Yeah.
0: My, friend, my friend Praveen actually has, um, uh, we, uh, we did the MBA together and he has this, uh, it's, it's not a startup any longer. Like I think they have like a, a large volume of business now. But what they do is that they actually go to companies and they sell um, broadcasting advertising, but they based on conversion. So, what they do is they get the credit card information, they have the cable information, and they cross this. And instead of selling you, like, I'm going to sell you this 30 second spot or I'm going to sell you this, no, what they do is I'm going to um, uh, sell you, um, I don't know, these many leads or these many transactions and so on. So they're actually being able to, because the lack of information on broadcast, it's also very, it's very hard to fight because yeah. if someone is watching the TV, you don't know what they're watching, when they're watching the, the TV as a device, it's a pretty dumb device when you compare it to what you can do on a, on a smartphone, for instance, yeah. or on a tablet and so on. But they are actually uh, being able like, to manage several data points and data sources and to to do that. I thought it was a very interesting uh, solution.
2: Very interesting, absolutely to follow up with
1: that. Maybe a last question from my side. Um, So we spoke quite a lot about your industry already Um, and you heard and I know that you have seen and heard quite a lot from other companies, from your own company and from the industry. What is kind of one of the most impressive negative examples from something that went, for example, completely wrong because of bureaucracy? I don't know, because of paperwork, because of the lack of the flexibility from the part of the team, what, what would be like a typical example you would say that would the part of your Well I think,
2: well, I think it, again, when you look at the broadcasting industry, you have, you have you need to look at two at uh, the, the commercial broadcast. so I come to the failure in a, in a second, but you have the commercial broadcasters, but then you also have the whole public broadcasting systems. And those have a, a completely different level of bureaucracy because these uh, are state financed or publicly financed. The companies uh, like Germany, Spain, every market has, has those which uh, are traditionally made with a much higher level of, um, of, of, of bureaucracy. No, I think the, the, biggest, the, the biggest failures that you can have is that you really uh, lose mainly on the, um, on the production side. So not with, so a, a very good script or a very good programming idea. And yeah, there, there's, there's a number of those that you, that, that you lose because your, your bureaucratic processes uh, kind of may slow you down. So you have, um, if you give you, give you, give you a situation from the, from a Polish market. So by now Netflix is a very big, uh, big operator that competes for creative ideas and they usually are much faster in taking decisions than a traditional broadcaster. A traditional broadcaster also because he's not used to that much competition, but uh, would then take a script, an idea, listen to a pitch, calculate it and look at it. And uh, the risk, uh, I think the traditional broadcasters are more risk averse than operators like Disney. And Disney would just come in and say, we're we just going to take a, a, a bet here on it they have a different financial means. And so creative ideas have gone lost because of uh, bureaucratic processes, that's for sure.
0: And the multiples, the way the market is valuing like technology companies and the way it's valuing traditional media companies is very different. So the possibility, the capacity of financing themselves actually is very different. And therefore like the bets they are willing to make, of course, it it becomes very different as well. Absolutely. Perfect. Christian, thank you so much. No, thanks a we lot. We appreciated the conversation. Nice
2: yeah.
0: It was really, really nice. Ferdinand, thank you so much for co-hosting. Great job. This was the Sacks Podcast, and it is produced by Marika Agelberg, Marius Bussen, Philippe Santiago Lopes, and David Bernardo Santo. We'll see you next week.